read that it will speak to us, that you will speak to us through it, that your wisdom will be imparted on our hearts, that your light will be shown on the darkest parts of us that may need to be exposed, that may need to be brought to light. Lord, we ask that your spirit will move upon us, that it will work within us to make us better disciples of Jesus Christ. We ask that you clear away any thoughts, any distractions that may compete for our attention at this time. And bless this time that we have in the presence of your spirit and in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15 and verses 25 through 35. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving them then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to, to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. 
since the beginning of the year we've been spending time here in the Gospel of John, John is a very different gospel. The other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptic gospels, and that's because scholars believe that they use a lot of the similar sources or maybe even same sources, and so you get a lot of the same, uh, the same stories in there. Uh, but John is a little bit different. And what we've seen so far in the Gospel of John is it is very invitational. We've talked about Nicodemus, how Jesus uh, told him about the experiencing new life, being born from above, being born of the Spirit can give you this whole other way of seeing the world, this whole other way of seeing life. And then we talked about Jesus and the woman at the well, how he told her, if, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again, meaning I have something to offer you that will satisfy you that you will, that you will not have to keep working for and tooling for because I can give you something that replenishes itself. What I have is of eternal value. And then last week we saw with Jesus' uh, sign that he performed by the pool for the, the man who, who was uh, crippled from birth or, or for 38 years who didn't even seem grateful, Jesus blessed him anyway. So we're seeing through the Gospel of John that Jesus is doing these signs. They're not called miracles in John. They're called signs, meaning they point to who he is and what God is doing. And we see that through these signs, Jesus is inviting us into something very special. He's inviting us into a new experience. And for all of us, no matter how routine our walk with Christ, how routine our personal life, our spiritual life has become, there is always new things to experience with Jesus. And that's what we're finding out. Now, like the woman at the well, Jesus said, uh, I can offer you living water and you'll never thirst again. We see here a similar thing in this passage. Jesus appeals to food. He says, I'm the bread of life, and, and, if, and if you take what I give you, you will be satisfied. You will never hunger again. But before he performs this miracle where he feeds the thousands, he asks Philip, where do we get the food to feed these people? And why does he ask Philip this? It says right there in the passage, Jesus knew what he was about to do, but he asked this to test Philip. And Philip's answer is, uh uh-huh. He says, even if we had 200 denarii, that's not enough to feed everybody here. It's not even enough to give them all just a little bit. And so Philip is is saying what so many of us would in in that situation. It's not possible. We don't have the resources. We don't have what we need. You know, unfortunately, human nature is to turn to God when we've reached the end of our limits. When we've met our limitations, then we go to God. When we've said, okay, I can't possibly do this on my own, now I will defer to God and see what he has to say or what he's going to do about it. That's that's our nature. We want to fix things ourselves. We think we know best. We think we know how to do things on our own. And it's only when we realize this is impossible, then we hope for a miracle. We have to get to that point where we have reached our own limit first, unfortunately. And Jesus knew this. And that's why he wanted to hear Philip say it. He wanted to hear Philip say that this wasn't possible. He wanted to know, okay, y'all understand you have reached the end of your limits. Y'all are very limited. We are limited in our bodies. We are limited with hunger. We are limited on food. But we are limited on our resources. So now you have to rely on God. Now hunger is a sign of limitation. 
We can think that we've got it all figured out, we've got it all together, but go a couple days without eating, and you'll learn otherwise. In fact, if I go a day without eating, you don't want to be around me. You've heard of hangry people who get moody when when their blood sugar gets low? Claire can tell you. I'm not a pleasant person to be around if, if I'm hungry. And Hannah Claire, poor thing, she gets it from me. She does the same thing. I can't stand to be around that kid when she hadn't eaten something. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's a natural thing. We have these limitations. When, when we are hungry, we realize how limited we are. So this is the perfect sign for G- Jesus. This is a perfect setting for him to work in. Because he says, okay, if you're hungry, you're going to realize as a physical person how limited you are. But another reason feeding the crowd was, um, was a, a perfect sign is because hunger is a universal feeling. And as much as we hunger, uh, all of us also associate eating usually with something pleasant. What do we do when we get together and we celebrate? We eat, right? On holidays, we eat with our families. Today, after, after the service, we're going to go in there in the fellowship hall and we're going to eat together in fellowship. We, we eat as celebration. And a lot of times, food is also equated with love. People serve with food. My mom is probably the most wonderful woman in, in, in the world, uh, besides my wife, of course. Let me get that in there. But... But my my mom has a heart of gold. And the way that she shows love so often is through food. And you can go over there for Christmas or for Thanksgiving. Or you can go over there for the Super Bowl. Or for the Iron Bowl. Or for any other football game. Or for any other occasion. For anything. Or just drop in and visit. And she is going to go all out. Fixing food for you. She's gonna, and, if, and if something is there, and, and my dad, he, he, he'll have in his head, okay, we're, we're going to have you know, spaghetti or sloppy joes or whatever. My mom's like, no, 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 that's not good enough. She'll go to the grocery store and get more stuff because she really wants you to, to know how much she loves you. And she shows that by, by fixing food. And when you've eaten your fill and you're stuffed, uncomfortably so, and you go in the den and you sit down in your chair and you just want to let things digest, she comes in there and she says, I'm fixing some brownies. <laughs> and you'll say, no, no, I'm, I'm full. Well, I'm, they're in the oven right now. It's no problem. And so, okay, all right, let me, let me catch my breath. I'll have some brownies. They, they sure do smell good. You eat the brownies, you eat the cookies, the cake, whatever else it is she's got fixed. Then you go back in there and you sit down and you're just really full. She come in there a little while later, would you like some coffee? I got some coffee brewing. And it's ongoing and, it, and it's her way of serving. It's her way of showing love. And I guarantee that you know somebody like that. In fact, there are many people in this church that are like that, and you're going to see that in a few minutes when we go to the fellowship hall. We equate food with love, with happiness, with fellowship. And so that's another reason why this was the perfect sign for Jesus. He said, not only are you recognizing that you have physical limitations, but when you break bread with somebody, when you share a meal with somebody, so often it's done from a place of love. And it's done from a place of fellowship. 
Now, of course, God uh, worked through Jesus and blessed the loaves, blessed the fish, and they all ate. But it wasn't just that they ate. They had all these leftovers. And so that tells us God is provident. God meets our needs, and he doesn't just meet them. He gives us an abundance. God's grace is not just sufficient. It's abundant. It's plentiful. It's more than we will ever need. And so Jesus did this. They all fed him, or they all ate what he fed them, and then they wanted to force him to become king right then and there. And it says Jesus withdrew. He had to retreat. Now we skipped a few verses here, but but what happens in those ten verses that we skip is is the sign, the miracle where he walks on the water and he walks back to the other side in the midst of a storm. And so the next day, the crowd comes and they find him on the other side of the water. And first of all, they're wondering. How in the world did you get over here? But then he, they come to him and he says, you're seeking me because you had your fill of the bread. You're looking for me because I met a physical need and now you're wanting more. They were seeking him so that he could continue serving them, fulfilling their desires. They see, they, they, they see Jesus as the, the supplier of their desires rather than what they should be desiring. And that's what Jesus says to them. He says, you have the wrong kind of hunger. He says, do not work for the food that spoils. You see, they saw this guy can meet our physical needs. Let's make him king. And they meant that in the physical sense, a physical king. What Jesus was saying is what I did was a sign of something spiritual. I could, God will provide for your physical needs. I met your physical needs, but it's a sign that I can provide your spiritual needs, that I can meet your spiritual needs. And in the way that you want to make me your physical king, you need to make me your spiritual king. Just as he told Nicodemus, there's another level. There's more here to what you're seeing. There's another world that you must be born into in order to understand what God is doing here. Jesus was saying, you're missing the point. I didn't give you bread just so you could go home with your bellies full. It was a sign that God has given you something really great here. Believe in the one he has sent. The feeding was merely a sign of God's grace and providence that pointed to something much more significant. You know, there's an old saying that uh, they, don't, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Have you heard that before? And they say that a lot in the church and in mission work and in seminary. They say, well, if you go somewhere with the desire to meet somebody's spiritual need, you better be prepared to meet their physical need first. If you go to a third world country and you just tell them you need Jesus, but you don't do anything to help them physically, they don't care. They don't want to hear what you have to say. But you go over there and you meet their physical need So then they can have their eyes open and understand, okay, this person can meet my physical need. God can meet my physical need through them. Maybe God can meet my spiritual need through what they have to say as well. And that's why you have missionaries who who take food, who supply health care, all these kind of things. It's because to meet the physical need is is a sign. It's a way to say, I am bringing something even greater than this. And so that's what Jesus did. He met the physical need first. But people always desire the physical over the spiritual. 
At least they tend to. That's our human nature. We are born into this world hungry. Literally, we are born and want to eat right away, but, but figuratively as well. We have desires that can't be quenched. Desires for fame, power, money, prosperity, success, whatever it may be. Or maybe we've gotten caught up in, in hobbies or, or whatever it is. And, and, we, and we start seeking fulfillment in all these other areas. Once you start going down that rabbit hole, there's no end to it. Claire and I have been watching this show on Netflix uh, uh, with Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is worth over $900 million. I mean, just crazy successful. Has the most successful sitcom in television history. And, uh, and it's just, uh, you know, multimillionaire is, you know, that, that's not even a just statement. He's, he's crazy rich. And he has this show called Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. And what he does is every day he'll take this new sports car and he'll pick up another comedian and they'll go get coffee. And the whole show is just these two comedians talking about funny stuff. And, it, and it's, it's a pretty entertaining show. But every episode he has this new sports car. And it's, sometimes it's a Lamborghini. Sometimes it'll be a Porsche. It'll be an old Corvette, whatever. And they're not always his cars. He'll go ask somebody else or he'll lease one. But I started looking into it. He owns almost 200 sports cars in a three-story garage to put them all in. I mean, just millions and millions of dollars worth of cars. And he still keeps buying more. And even with all that he has, he goes out and he finds other ones for his show to drive around in. You see, when we start chasing things... We can never be fully satisfied. There will always be something else that we desire. Most of y'all know I'm a Patriots fan. I hated the way that Super Bowl went last week. And uh, Tom Brady, you know, I don't feel bad for him. He's won five of them. So he's good, in my opinion. But um, there's a documentary of him on Facebook where he's, he's talking to his wife. His wife wants him to retire. And he's 40 years old. And he says to her, just let me win two more Super Bowls and then I'll retire. Now, that's, that's crazy. That's a crazy statement. Because some people work their entire life to, to get to one Super Bowl. And they never do it. They can have a wonderful, successful NFL career and never even make it to a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has won five Super Bowls. And here he is at the age of 40 telling his wife, let me win two more. I just want to win two more. You see, we all have desires that will never be met, that will never be fulfilled. And as long as we chase those physical desires, we will always hunger. There will always be hunger pangs. And so what Jesus is saying is, I should be your chief desire. Don't count on me to be the one who fulfills your other desires, your worldly desires, your fleshly desires. Count on me to be your desire. And if I'm what you long for, you will be satisfied. And the people said, okay, give us a sign. If you're the one who can do this, if you're the one who can satisfy our deepest desires, give us a sign that you are from God. Hello? He had just fed 5,000 of them with five loaves of fish, and then he mysteriously ended up on the other side of the sea. What, what other signs were they looking for? They said, give us a sign. And he said, you, you can't see it. 
You can't see it. What I did was the sign. Stop craving the material, the physical, and turn your eyes upon me, and you will never hunger again. You see, Jesus came not to meet our desires, but to become our desire. God does care about our well-being. God is provident. He will continue to look out for us and to meet our needs. But God does not exist simply so that we can survive. We exist to give God glory. Experiencing Jesus is not something that we seek to do so that our worldly needs can be met. We experience Jesus so that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. To glorify God the Father and Christ the Son must become our chief desire. All other yearnings, all other desires, all other hunger pains will go unsatisfied and lead us down a rabbit hole of greed and lust and want. But when Christ becomes our desire, not only will our physical needs be met, but we will find spiritual, deeper fulfillment. So, so far in the Gospel of John, we've seen that Jesus told Nicodemus, I can give you a new perspective, a new way of seeing life. You can be born from above, and I can give you a new, a whole new perspective. And then he told the woman at the well, I can give you a new identity. You are not just some Samaritan woman who has had five husbands. I can give you new identity. And then last week, he healed the man at the pool. I can give you new blessings, blessings that you weren't even expecting. New identity, new perspective, new blessings. That's what it means to be fulfilled by the bread of life. What are your desires? What is it that in the deepest part of your heart you are truly hungry for? It's my prayer that each one of us here today will find the true longing of our hearts is for the bread of life, the bread that truly satisfies. Let us pray. God, we confess that so often we chase things that are meaningless. We try to fill the voids in our life with all this stuff that in the end doesn't really matter and will never make us truly, fully happy. We ask instead that you become our desire, that we chase you with our whole heart, that we become hungry for the life that you offer us. And in doing so, Lord, we understand that all the things of earth will grow strangely dim. They are there for, to meet our needs, to meet our physical desires, Lord, but, but in perspective, they pale in comparison to what you have to offer. You offer us life. You invite us into something deep and meaningful and lasting. And Lord, we ask for the grace, for the faith to step into that and to receive that. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 370 in the United Methodist hymnal, Victory in Jesus. I invite you and encourage you, if you've made a decision of any type today, you may come forward and share that with the church. As a reminder, the altar is always open for anyone who wishes to come and spend a few minutes in prayer. But please stand if you are able.
Join us in singing hymn number 370, Victory in Jesus.